0: To another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast, Mr. Copper, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone out there listening?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, my name is Jeff Copper. I'm a ADHD and Attention Coach. Uh, I think Attention Coach is a better reference of what I do because I actually coach people's attention. I specialize in people that have ADHD. I'm founder of Dig Coaching Practice, which is my website, digcoaching.com. Also, have had my own podcast, Attention Talk Radio, since 2009, and then my uh, Video channels attention talk video on YouTube. And uh, basically, I've been coaching people with executive function impairments since 2007.
0: How did you get interested with
1: ADHD? It's really it's a two-hour story. But to, to synthesize it, um, I was diagnosed with dyslexia at age nine in 1972 and um, struggled with it uh, <clears throat> extensively. Um, had lots of tutors and help, and barely got out of high school, really. And I probably wouldn't have gone to college had it not been, I was a scholarship athlete. Got to college and had to figure it out on my own. And I departed from what everybody was telling me I was supposed to do and just kind of paid attention to own self observation and tried to figure out what worked for me. Graduated, got in business world. And, and long story short, um, my kids were, I don't know, six or seven years old, and my ex at the time, we had competing careers in as much as we were traveling. And so uh, we decided one of us needed to break that mold. So I stopped was Mr. Mom for a year searching for what to do. And by some coincidence, some life coaching kind of came up. And then a good friend of mine was a a psychologist and suggested I get into coaching people with ADHD because I was organized. So I took a look at it. I thought, wow, this is pretty cool because it's like life coaching, but there's more of an impairment. And, um, there's more of a reason to do that, and so i uh I went to two life coaching schools one's uh coaches training institute, which is just regular life coaching and the a d d coach academy um which is more geared for people with a d h d and um I got into this the idea is when I was mr mom i i was more entrepreneur I, I wanted a business that I could kind of scale as my kids grew out of the house, which is basically what happened and um When I started ADHD coaching, it was really a hobby more than anything else. But now it's a profession, I've been doing it full time and I love it. I think that the, my success in this area has come because of my own challenges. And most people would think as a coach, I got all the answers for people. Actually, I don't, it's an incredibly creative job. I think on my YouTube channel, I've got probably 450, 450 videos and probably 325 of the ideas actually came from clients. When I say ideas. It's just like, wow, that's kind of a cool idea, and just kind of share it with them. So, it's uh, it's evolved. I don't go to work. I actually go to fun.
0: <laughs> Probably work a little bit too much, but uh, uh, that's kind of what's how it's evolved. The hobby turned into work, I'm guessing because of the awareness of ADHD now that's actually being accepted. It seemed like over like maybe eight years, nine years, it started to get more accepted, more research, and people started kind of taking it more seriously as an actual disorder rather than before where people used to tell me all the time when I was a kid, Oh, you'll grow out of it, or you know, it's just in your head. I'm like, Well, that's kind of the problem.
1: <laughs> well, I, I give I give Rick Green a lot of credit. Um he is a skit comedy writer and comedian by trade, and he did a documentary uh, kind of supported by the Canadian government in 2008 called Totally ADD or ADD and Loving It. And it was an hour long video documentary that was done very humorously and did a lot of educating people of ADHD. It was the first like thing of its kind that really wasn't um, from, from a mental health profession perspective, it was really outside. And it was it did a really good job of of communicating stuff and doing the video format. And so things kind of evolved from there where we started bringing more and more um, I think coaches and other people kind of got a little bit more involved. And then you know, Jessica, Jessica McCabe kind of came in, in 2016. She started how to ADD, which oddly enough was a repository for her to find what worked. It turned into what it is. And so through that evolution, more people have gotten into videos and animated stuff that pays more attention and educating people. And I, I think you had, had interviewed uh, Russ Ramsey on that mistake. And I brought him on my show one time and I asked him about the evolution of coaches and he acknowledged it was an intervention. He said, but what coaching has brought was a business and a marketing aspect, which I didn't really think about. And so as a result, there's more and more stuff out there it's being accepted, it's being destigmatized, and more and more people are actually seeking help that were more reluctant before in the past. So in the last, I'd say, six years, five years, really, there's been an explosion, which really took what I do from a hobby to
0: more of an industry and, and now um, much more pervasive. Do you trust the social media coaches? There's a That's kind of where I first came across like, oh, there's a lot of information on ADHD now because before I just never even bothered to look into it. I kind of just glossed over. But some of the social media videos, when they're putting up symptoms or certain habits that ADHD people do, I was like, wait, I thought that was my personality. And I realized it wasn't. It was actually ADHD. Some of them, I mean, some coaches are good on social media and some of them, they kind of put like a vague kind of brush over some symptoms where I'm like, well, that isn't just exclusive to ADHD. That could be something else. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on social media. Do you well, think it's a so, yeah, so uh, this is my opinion. Um, people
1: will be free to disagree with me, but um, anybody can call themselves an ADHD coach. Um, anybody, literally. And there's a lot of people that have ADHD that call themselves a coach that I find somewhat detrimental because whatever they think works for them works for everybody. And the fact of the matter is, if I find something that works for people with ADHD and it works maybe 10% of the time, that's, a, that's pretty high. Like most of the tip tricks and strategy you recognize actually don't work for another reason. Um, so there's a little bit generic. So there's a lot of people out there that, in my opinion, have it and think they know what they're doing. Um, the, the coaches that are, I think, somewhat respectable, or anybody that's on the ADHD coaches organization list because they have to have gone through coach training and had some type of ADHD background. Or there's another website, the Professional Association of ADHD Coaches. Um, that crowd had to be schooled and pass oral exams um, and are dedicated to the profession. So with that being said, there's a group of people that are highly dedicated that are educated based off of some fundamental parameters that we've all collectively come together, they're pretty good. But there's a lot of people on social media that really aren't trained. And some of that information is dangerous. In fact, um, I was at an APSARG conference in January, and they did a little bit of a look at TikTok and 52% of the information on TikTok's misinformation, 27% lived experience. So 20% was actually factual. So uh, it's seductively easy to get diagnosed on TikTok by yourself. And it, it, the problem with that is is we're dealing with a condition, and it's hard to treat something if you don't really know what you're treating. And so it's 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 a little frustrating out there because there is a lot of information that's really sexy and designed to allure people into it. That's really kind of misinformation. But um, end of the day, I you know I think we're going to talk about working memory and some other things on your program. That I think will help people give some insight. So I appreciate your opportunity to come on board. And if you're out there on social media, I'd be somewhat skeptical about it unless you can vet it the person and see where their credentials are and uh, where they come from.
0: Well, through your years of coaching, I mean, how varying are the people's symptoms or what they're coming to you for coaching advice on when it comes to their ADHD? I mean, is a lot of it just kind of planning and scheduling things of that sort? That's not a problem really for me. I've done, learned to kind of use it, but there's other things like forgetfulness and emotions as well, too, and then too much input.
1: So, right, I did a show a long time ago. There was a guy named Dan Pruitt out of Atlanta, and we were back in the dsm 4 manual. There were three different kinds of ADHD, there's inattentive, hyperactive, and combined type. And, and he went through the mathematical calculation of all the possible combination of symptoms that could get you the diagnosis. And I think there was over eighteen thousand. Yeah, and we did the show. And we we're like, "Well, I got number 445 and you know, I got thirteen. And that that number didn't take into consideration um, coexisting conditions and severity. So the the moral of the story is: once you've seen somebody with ADHD, you've seen somebody with ADHD. There's no one version of it. You know, I've I've coached like um, tax accountants before, and you know, you know all kinds of different people, and so. ADHD manifests very differently from different people and we all have different collection of traits. And I, one of the dangers is, is we like labels because uh, when you label something, it's a communication tool. But the problem is when you label something, people quit paying attention to the individual nature of it. So the, the moral of the story is, is too many people out there are looking at everybody to have one version of ADHD or not. You might be very organized some of the people I've coached that, you know, they're really, really good on time. Others are not. It just depends on the person where I come from is ADHD is really more of an executive functioning impairment. Um, and most people don't know what that is or really kind of how it works, but how your how your behavior manifests is basically on how those individual mind tools interact. You might have an area like you, you might not struggle as much with emotional self-regulation which could be, could manifest behaviorally as one. And other people can have more struggles with that, which have some impact. So again, it's this eclectic mix of stuff that creates that variability.
0: Now, when we talk about executive functions, could you maybe describe some similar executive functions just for anybody out there listening that might not know what executive functions are? Um, People speak of executive functions
1: in terms of outcome. It's very confusing. I plan... You need to use your executive functions to produce a plan. But executive functions are a collection of mind tools. I I subscribe to Dr. Barclay's model of them. I think it's, his model is incredibly brilliant. Um, he defines executive functions as self-awareness. There's emotional self-regulation. Human beings actually can sh- change emotions consciously. If you're in a, 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 a frustrated state, you can actually calm yourself down and change emotions. Most animals can't do that. Self-restraint, um, if you're self-aware and you can downregulate your emotions and restrain yourself collectively, that's self-regulation. Then there's visual imagery, you have the ability to kind of simulate a picture in your mind of a past or the future. Nonverbal working memory, which is basically self-talk. And then there's playing with information in your mind. Collectively, when you use visual imagery, self-talk and play with information, that's actually thinking towards a goal, trying to accomplish something. So Dr. Barkley's model defines all of those as a noun. I do a lot of, we'll probably get into a little bit, just talking about those things as a verb. There's other executive function models out there. Dr. Thomas Brown's got one, um, and some others do. I don't care for those models as much um, because it commingles emotions with different executive functions. So like, I, I think one of Dr. Brown's models, it's like task initiation. Um, for me that's a really a working memory issue um and there's a emotional issue like emotional self-regulation and have an issue with regard to mo- with working memory so they kind of conflict each other um but for the most part i like dr barclay's model because it's a it's a lot cleaner model it's a lot easier to explain and understand but it's those tools that you use in your mind individually and collectively to produce a plan or to manage time and so um, executive functions we look at as an outcome, but
0: it's the use of those different tools that
1: actually produce that plan.
0: You mentioned non-working memories, kind of like self-talk. Does that mean, like, with what's like, what are some issues that come from having a neglect in working memory? Like some complications. That's just processing, like being well, able to schedule planner. Let's, or...
1: let's let's do a little exercise because we're talking about working memory. Working memory is the ability to uh, load. Um, retrieve, hold information, and manipulate it towards a goal. So that's that. That's all. Sounds kind of interesting, but sometimes it's a lot easier, really, to kind of experience it. So if you don't mind, let's do an attention exercise. Ready? Sure. You're game? I guess. All right. In a minute, I'm going to say six words slowly. Please don't write them down. If you feel the urge to to say any of these words out loud, please don't. So after I say the words, I'm going to be quiet. And when you're done, when I'm done, I'm going to wait, and I need you to repeat them back to me in alphabetical order. Oh, God. You ready? Yep. Igloo, teacher, zebra, kangaroo, bumblebee, hippopotamus.
0: Want me to repeat them back now? In alphabetical order. Uh, bumblebee would be the first one. Um, I forgot one of them, but I'm going to say igloo, then hippopotamus teacher and then zebra. I don't remember what the other one was. And you forgot kangaroo and you got
1: hippopotamus and igloo reversed. Doesn't really matter. What I want you to I notice failed. is that you didn't fail, but I, I put you in the simulation so we can begin to understand what working memory is. What you did is you had to load those six words in your mind It'll kind of put them in your prefrontal cortex you might have retrieved a picture of each one of them but you had to hold them and you had to reorder them all right without forgetting them that's basically thinking in your head thinking inside your head towards the goal <clears throat> that's impaired with people with adhd um what was interesting and really fun about this exercise, If hopefully for those that are watching this, you, you can rewind the tape, but if you're on audio, you heard it, but when I described it, you said, oh my God, that was an emotional reaction that you had. It was a reflexive emotional reaction. So thinking inside your head towards the goal is you use your working memory to do that visual imagery, self-talk and play with that information to order those. That's basically organization. Reflexively, that was difficult for you, so you had emotional reaction to escape. Sometimes I'll give that exercise to people and they won't even try. So the moral of the story is, is a lot of people look at ADHD as a focus problem, and it is, but it's the symptom. Often when thinking is too difficult, people have a reflexive emotional reaction to escape that difficulty, so they go do something else. I go to social media or whatever. And so what I do when I'm coaching is I kind of help people understand that is if you don't make the thinking easier, you're if you make the thinking easier, there's less of an emotional reaction to just to to do something else.
0: Now, it, will that just be on tasks though that are not interested by the person with ADHD? I feel like some tasks like I can tell you a whole bunch about the 60s and 70s and stuff I've learned through documentation and stories. Not hard thinking for me. I could just pull that out of my head. That's right. but, yeah, but That's if I gave you
1: like maybe 20 words that are of interest, you're still going to have a hard time putting them together if you do it inside your head. Yeah. That's just a level. So where I'm going with this is that if you would have written those words down on index cards, it would have been a piece of cake because you would not have been thinking inside your head. It would have externalized section. You just move the cards around and rewrite them. That would be easier. People with ADHD are as intelligent as anybody else. The challenge is doing it inside the head. I also ask you not to repeat the words out loud because if you did, it would make it easier. And let me explain this <clears throat> play is very important for children because they're, they're, they're exercising their executive functions, right? See, watch TV is like two tiger cubs play, playing around. It looks like they're playing and they are, but what they're doing is they're learning how to stalk prey. It's a survival mechanism. So the reason I'm saying this is, if you have a three-year-old in a room playing like they got some blocks and they're building something, it's not uncommon that the three-year-old's talking out loud to themselves about what they're building. They're not talking to you. They're not talking to me. They're talking out loud. It's public conversation. We can eavesdrop. Developmentally, that's normal. Somewhere between age three and five, though, that public conversation becomes privatized. It moves inside their head. It's still going on. It's called self-talk, nonverbal working memory. Some people with the and the reason I asked you not to repeat the word out loud is because if you would have done that, it possibly would have made that little exercise a little bit easier. So if you take a look at people with ADHD, many of them talk out loud a lot. They don't know they're doing it. Nobody taught them to do it. They're just doing it instinctively. Why? Because when they talk to themselves out loud, they're rewarded with higher level of performance but they're often doing this in front of somebody. And often they're told they talk too much. People don't realize they're not talking to you, they're thinking out loud. So in this moral, the story a little bit is to understand, this is, these are the executive functions. I gave you those six words to understand, put you in the experience so you can kind of get a more tangibly what I'm talking about. Now I'm explaining that if you externalize it, it makes it easier. That's why people with ADHD need to listen to stuff. They need to be thinking outside their head. People with ADHD often talk a lot. That's because they're thinking outside their head. This is not a tip, trick, or strategy. This is an accountability. They've instinctively done it because they're rewarded with higher level of performance. But they don't know that. So I do a lot of coaching for the people that talk out loud a lot. We call them verbal processors. And when they begin to realize that, then they, hey, can I talk out loud? So let's take this back to where you are. Is Day in and day out, people on social media are not necessarily looking at it as an executive function impairment. They're looking at some little app that works for them, which by the way, could work for one person, not for somebody else. Um, but we go back to this is fundamentally what the impairment is about. It's much more thinking impairment than people realize and they escape. Now, you might have a, a stronger visual imagery, more difficulty with nonverbal working memory or vice versa. So how it manifests is different from other people, which gets that variability. But Essentially, this working memory of thinking inside a head towards a goal is a bigger part of the impairment that most people don't pay attention to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm more probably a visual learner. I usually don't use social media a whole lot. I kind of just post and ghost only because it is too much. There's an addictive property that kind of falls with that, especially for my ADHD. I kind of noticed it was bad. But I'm curious from any of your clients if they've learned tricks on their own and not knowing that they were doing small tricks to help improve their working memory on their own.
1: Well, I'm not saying that they weren't improving their working memory. They're compensating for it. Like As I tell people, let's say your working memory is functioning at the 20th percentile and you go, that I'm sure there's some game or computer program that can help you with it. Um, let's say you get to the 30th percentile. That's a 50% improvement, but you're still way below average. If you're... Working at something at the 90th percentile and you can get to the 99th percentile, that's a 10% improvement. We're going from good to Olympic gold. So my point in that is, is I don't really help people improve their working memory. It's impaired. Um, What I do is help them compensate for it and help them understand that they need to begin to externalize thinking. And in different ways, sometimes it's simple as calling somebody up and say, you got a minute, can I talk out loud or can I announce my logic? off of you or like let me give me a second while I get to my point. You're not changing anything, you just realizing is that you gotta verbalize that stuff to kind of make it easier for you to think.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't really work in the society that we kind of live in. Seems like a lot of people aren't willing to compensate for that person that might need the extra or bring you out there. Like you mentioned, some people aren't aware that they're not just talking too much. It might just be talking aloud to make sure that it sinks in.
1: Yeah. So this is this is where you have executive functions that are in conflict. So um, number one, self-awareness is an executive function. To be self-aware, you got to look at yourself as you are, not how you want to be. That's threatening. It's 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 uncomfortable emotionally when you're threatened. People with ADHD reflexively fight back. So many people with ADHD are not very self-aware. right because emotionally they're fighting it so you have two executive functions self-awareness and emotional self-regulation that are fighting each other they're in conflict they're preventing you need one for the other and the other for the other as i say there's a lot of people that know a lot about adhd but they suffer the ones that really do well are the ones that know a lot but they accept it they own it so where i'm going with this is is we have a society that is moving more digitally. And the ability to collaborate, talk out loud is, is shrinking. It's, it's, we're told it's more uh, convenient, but convenience isn't always productive. And so people with ADC emotionally think that they shouldn't be going out there. They should do it on their own, which is a problem. Um, interestingly enough, as I said, ADHD more is of a thinking impairment than you imagine. So when the pandemic hit, it's kind of funny at the time. I thought I'm going to be out of job in 60 days because I thought I was expendable. But that was didn't happen because my phone lit up like a Christmas tree. Everybody was sent home to think by themselves inside their head. It's impaired. And so people were like, I'm unproductive. I got motivation problems. No, you got a thinking problem because when you were in an office, you were interacting with people. And and. You were thinking out loud more than you know now there's nobody around and that's not there and and just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a notion of this and this is why like i anyway, i like what i do but so most people don't realize that probably 75 80 percent of procrastination is rooted in ambiguity a lot of people argue with me but but if you ever take a look at something if i got to figure this out or we'll figure this out as ambiguity like I, I got to find something that's the ambiguity, but I'm going to give you a simple example of, of how environment really is a big deal for people with ADHD. Just before the pandemic, I'm coaching a woman about talking about procrastination. I'm explaining most of it's rooted in ambiguity. And she's arguing with me and I'm like, all right, all right. I've been doing this for a long time, but needless to say, she was fighting it. She wasn't getting it. Then the pandemic hit. And then all of a sudden I got a text one day, oh my God. Basically, she was at her desk at home realizing that she was on her computer and she was doing something. I don't remember what it was, but there was a procedural step of something. In that moment, she recognized that when she was in the office, she would lean over to a coworker and ask them about it, have an answer within two seconds, and be right back to work. Well, today she didn't have a coworker, so she instant messaged them, right? sat there for a little bit, didn't know if the person was at the desk on vacation or even looking at that stuff, went up to go get a cup of coffee and never went back. The point of this is, is even though you might be in a room and you might lean over and ask a question within two seconds, you'd be back on task. Now that's removing ambiguity. Now we talked about the fact that there was probably in the company's intranet, a resource where it was, but she didn't know how to find it. My point in this, is this is a thinking impairment. I gotta think, I gotta figure out where this is or whatever that's there. Having somebody to lean over and collaborate with to get an answer or you're going online and you're applying for something, there's a question or a word that you don't understand what it is and get collaboration, some feedback from somebody else. That's the difference between finishing the application and leaving and never coming back to it. Again, I go back to these are the invisible, intangible things that people don't realize about ADHD. That that or the difference between success and failure, makes
0: sense. Yeah. Um, do you find at least a lot of people, especially when we talk about ADHD, that they find that the people that embrace it and kind of use it to their benefit or try and you know use it as like a a title? I would say I try and embrace it. I try and make people aware about it, be an advocate for it. Um, but it's just because a lot of that stuff when you talk about having a disorder, or ADHD, get, it feels so bad when that's said. That it makes it people feel like less. Like even an impairment with working memory makes it seem like, shit, I'm, my IQ must be like 10. I'm not an idiot, but there's just certain areas that I excel in and certain areas that I don't. But it seems like a lot of the classifications and what I would consider people say that being an adult, like going out and doing adult things, that's not easy. Because a lot of that does fall on executive function or certain working memory aspects of things that you know you got to worry about. Bills coming later, which I think everyone needs to associate and worry about, but also planning, strategies, business meetings, set and setting, that type of stuff as well, too. It's all very extremely difficult.
1: Yeah, but to the, the idea here really is you start off, it's a condition or impairment. There's an emotional judgment to that, right? And we make observations with our senses. And the problem with ADHD, people infer the inner working of the brain by behavior. Behavior is a symptom of cognitive behavior. Right. As I tell people, if, if, if your working memory is impaired, it's a legitimate reason why you're not doing that. But people don't understand it because they can't see it. Now, I, you're looking at me. You didn't acknowledge that I have a visual impairment. Right. I'm wearing glasses. I can't read without them. That's an impairment. You guys can see that. Right. People can't see deficits in working memory because everybody judges the world through the lens of their experience. So that's what makes this all kind of crazy is because in our world, if you can't see it, touch it, smell it with your senses, then it doesn't exist. Um, as an aside, this is not a... I've developed a program called Cognitive Ergonomics from the Inside Out and something called Attention Scope to try to make this stuff more concrete and visible for people. Um, that exercise I put you through with the six words, one of them to help people actually put them in an experience to break it down individually to understand what's going on. But the point really is... is it is an impairment. I have a visual impairment. People have diabetes. I have a high blood pressure. We all have impairments. The idea is that you need to do something with it. And there's an emotional resistance for people to, to get that because they want to be like everybody else. But the bigger picture is society's just ignorant. And I get people all the time coming on my YouTube channel saying, AD, she doesn't exist. I'm like... I- Ava Green once said that, you know, she didn't think her husband should take medications. Finally, she realized her beliefs didn't trump her husband's experience and said, Oh, well, if it works for you, it does. So again, there's a lot tied up into this. If you're listening to this podcast, you might want to go back and listen to it a couple times because I'm covering a lot of material very quickly. But hopefully it's kind of helping people kind of get get a hand around ADHD. In kind of a different way than what you see out in social media.
0: Do you think it's going to be bigger complications for people with ADHD when it comes to society? i um, just kind of fitting in. I mean, we, we, you mentioned technology and kind of the expansion of that. But also, if you tell someone that you just can't pay attention, people receive that as you just don't care. And that's not what that is at all. They might care in a different way or do it at home. I tend to do a lot of my best work when nobody's hovering over me and I'm by myself. But it is what you were saying. It's in. It's like an invisible illness, a little bit. It's inside you, so people can't see it, and they can't.
1: Yeah. So it. you're like, I, I'm not your your language right now is kind of reflexive because it's there. Because you were saying when you can't focus, well, you can focus. ADHD is an executive function impairment. Self regulation is one of them. People we look at it and say it's a deficit of attention. It's not. You know, kids with ADHD can play computer games for hours on end. Their issue is not focusing. Their issue is stopping. Or an adult that gets on the internet at eight o'clock at night before you know it's four o'clock in the morning. It's not a focus issue of a deficit in that situation. They're having, they can't stop themselves. It goes back to if ADHD is a thinking impairment, we judge it based off are they doing what I want them to do or not, right? So I, I, I use that as an example. You asked a question. I was I, my working memory is evaporated.
0: I'm trying to. Make- I was saying about the advancement with society. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's only so, fade. Yeah. The, yeah, the
1: problem, the problem with society is right now, there's this huge emphasis on what seems to be kind of convenient, which is a misnomer. Um, It's kind of complicated to explain, but um, working memory require, okay, I'll try to explain it. So I'm old, I'm 60 years old. I went to college back in the dinosaur ages and I was in college and I would have a book and I would highlight, actually what I would do is I'd buy books that were used that were already highlighted. So if I had notes from a class and I'm trying to reconcile the two, I'd have a table and I would look over at the book and the highlighted area is important. So that would be my target. I would just read the highlighted area. I wouldn't have to read the paragraph to find that highlighted area. I could just go right to it. Then my eyes would move over to my notes and I could compare some words on on two pages, really simply. On a computer, You have some copy, you can't really highlight it very well, so you've got to read it to figure out what you're looking for. Read it, then I got to hit something to to another screen of sorts, whether it's PowerPoint, a browser, then I've got to scroll to find whatever I'm going to compare it to. Now, remember, I gave you six words to repeat back to me in alphabetical order. You forgot one word, and you got hippopotamus and igloo reversed while you have all these instructions trying to find what you're looking for, what you were originally evaporated, you can't, it just escapes. So now you gotta go back. Well, that's fucking hard and frustrating. So what happens is, is you escape. Where I'm going with this is these tools that we're told we're supposed to use for people with ADHD. You already have a tax working memory. It's making the impairment worse. You're being driven to use things that are more difficult. And everybody acts like this is invisible, right? Yeah. So more and more, this stuff is taking place. And as I say to people, you have to remember, it's convenient for society if you do it their way. I like paper bills. They come to me in the mail. I don't have to go get them. I open it up. I look at my bank statement. It's really easy for me to manage it. Online, I got to go hit username, password. I got to go. I got to remember all this stuff. I got it's It's a lot of work for me to do that. A bill comes in. I put it down the table. I, once a month, I go and I pay it. But the the the, the financial institutions—they well, don't want me to, to to take paper. They want me to go green. In fact, they're going to bully me. Like, don't you want to go green? Like, aren't, like make me feel negative, less than that them because I'm not like it. Why? Because it's in their self-interest they, to make me feel bad to do it their way. And so, yeah, there's a lot of problems with society, you know, anymore. You know, I don't know about you, I call up tech departments and I'm speaking to some idiot. They don't know, they can't interpret what's going on in their self-help section of their website, much less me. So now I got to go figure all that stuff out. I got to interpret words, but, but the society's making it worse because it's convenient and they're making everybody feel bad for it. And If you'll notice, not just people with ADHD are suffering, like neurotypicals are starting to suffer at the same time, but we're acting like it's not there. This is all an executive function impairment it's all intangible, it's all invisible, and we're all acting like it's not there when it's really a big deal. And so a lot of what I do is really trying to help people know what works 100% of the time and advocate for yourself because it's hard to advocate for yourself if you don't know for sure that it works. But we're like, when I help people know that if they talk out loud, they solve problems, then they, they're, they're, they're more
0: confident in pushing for what they need because they know that it works. Make sense? It's- Yeah. Do you find that more people that speak out about the maybe talking out loud or something like that when they address it to a manager or supervisor that people are being a little bit more lenient and accepting of – trying to work with that. I mean, the internet's a problem, I think, for everybody, because if you're trying to do a specific task, there's like 50,000 things on your computer that are going to distract you. And next thing you know, I'll end up forgetting what I was doing and then come back to it two hours later. Like, wait a minute, I realized what I was on the internet for in the first place. But I mean, you could try and categorize and label stuff like that. It just, it's not an exact science. So,
1: you know, Robbie, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here. And I'm telling everybody, you know, I'm I'm pretty opinionated and I'm pretty strong and you guys can disagree with me or whatever, but I think this program is a, a great example of i'm covering a lot of complicated material that is underlying adhd i mean i think i get it at a level most people don't but nobody's going to put the time and effort to go through the stuff that i'm talking about because whatever's on the internet's more sexy like and i'll give you an example adhd is a thinking impairment people on online they talk about time blindness like t- what is time blindness it's called we're in the eighth
0: month already. And it feels like we just started the new year.
1: <laughs> but but, but, but t- time is an issue of thinking. You're using your visual imagery to see the future. It's effortful. So if you've got a one o'clock appointment, people with ADHD, they don't think it's one o'clock. I got to go. Oh, take me 15 minutes to get there. Okay. Oh, then they think by the time I get my keys, my wallet, my phone and get out and get into my car, that's going to take five minutes. Then when I get there, I got to park the car. I got to get the elevator, go up to the office. That's another five minutes. Oh, I need to leave 25 minutes in advance. That's thinking. Yeah. That's thinking. On the internet, people are talking about time blindness. They're not talking about as a thinking impairment. The issue really is, is if you're sitting there thinking it's a time issue, like the watch is going to do it for you, you're not paying attention to the right thing. You're not actually realizing it. You're not engaging in the thinking process. That's why I have a bunch of, like like just graphics, you know, are you drowning in the sea of strategies? A lot of people can identify with that because there's a lot of these things out there that sound really good, but they're not addressing the root cause of what the challenge is. So going back to the point is that ADHD is kind of complicated. In our world, people don't have the attention span. It's a lot easier to go see some video on TikTok and identify with that or like, oh, my God, I got rejection sensitivity. And you know, look around, and you know they're rejected from every everything. They feel good and validated about it, but I'm not so sure how that helps their world. Like the next day, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, well, realizing they have the issue, but then what's the fix to that? There's no fix. They never give you a fix.
1: So part of the world, and the other thing too, is with ADHD. I mean, this this gets kind of complicated. But people with ADHD, they they don't want to think that difficult. So they want what they want to work. work. Let me back up. If you watch uh, infomercials on Sunday morning about weight loss. There's what you, what you need. There's what you want. And markers will tell you, people don't buy what you need. They buy what they want. And I would argue, you know, they buy what they want to work, even though it doesn't work, they want it to work. And that's what they sell you. So, you know, one of the challenges about ADHD is how do you get information to people? Because they want it to be simple, quick fix, only five things, five minutes a day. You know, it's five, ADHD is a 24 seven impairment. It's not that easy, but they want it to be that easy. And if you're helping them, sometimes it's hard to get the message to them because it's really easy to jump on TikTok or here's here's the three things that I need to do that are gonna change my life. Goes back to the original point of that it's an impairment, it's invisible, it's more complicated than most people realize. And most people don't give it the respect that it's due in order to take to, to really kind of manage.
0: No, I bring people on here for the perspective. I think it helps me understand more and trust you more as a person. That's why I asked, like, I asked a couple of people if they have ADHD because I trust you more if you had it. Only because you're going to care more about learning about it and trying to understand it more than someone who might not. But like one, only one conversation, I respect him. I had a great conversation with, but Steve Farron, I think his last name is, I might be saying his name wrong. When he mentioned about getting out of the car, we're more likely to get out of the car and you know get angry at like a stoplight. I was like, be careful how we say that though, because it can kind of be – very like we're aggressive. We need to be on control or on lockdown or something like that. When you start talking about it being like a there, there's a disconnect there with the public on the perception of that. And it's like, look, I have those thoughts. I think everyone gets mad at a stoplight, but I'm not going to get out with a golf club or anything and freak out about it. But we need to kind of talk about like it is something that is an impairment, but it doesn't mean like we need I don't need special treatment. I don't think a whole lot of you know, maybe extra time on a test would help, but not like being like, you know, with a, a helper beside me the whole time, like guiding me through things. And that's like from some of these people I've talked to about ADHD. It seems like they understand the science of it, but they don't fully understand the experience part. And I'm not saying you, I'm just saying past yeah, people. Yeah. So it was hey, hard for hey, me wanna, to
1: this is you brought up something really good. And so again, you know. Robbie, I, I'm here to share this. I'm not saying I'm right or kind of whatever, but you gave me a great opportunity There is They say that they understand the science. Do they? Again, Dr. Barclay's model is incredible. Emotional regulation is an impairment. It's a characteristic, right? Out of a car is a negative manifestation. It's almost like they have emotion, but you're throwing gasoline on the fire so you can think of rage. That's the negative side. But, you know, there's a positive side to this. Some people with ADHD, when they're passionate about something, it's like passion on fire. I've seen people, they're they're so, I mean, they're so jacked up. People just drop and start falling. This guy, like, wow. I mean, they're so motivated and so inspired by people. It's the same characteristic. It's just manifesting in a different environment. The idea is you want to control it in those more negative situations. But sometimes you want to let the horses run. That's where I'm not, I don't like this notion that ADHD is a gift simply because if we call it a gift then the, no, nobody needs some accommodations. It creates a problem. But there's sometimes where it, and there's some environments where it's not necessarily a bad thing. And so I'm going back to, if you understand the underlying root of ADHD as an executive function impairment, and you understand emotional dysregulation is one of them, you can see how it can manifest negatively, maybe on the road. We, we need to understand that. We don't need to, to crucify it. But we're, there's another side of it, where's the passion side of it that can be very, very useful. Again, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's it's an asset or a liability depending on the environment which it manifests. Make sense?
0: Yeah, kind of like, I mean, natural curiosity, I would say, is probably my benefit of just wondering more and going out that way. But some people would see that as like, they don't really analyze it as curiosity, like, like, for instance, I do a show with them. it's 1,500 episodes, but it's any political, I don't care about your politics, I care about you as a person. People don't see that. They see, oh, you had a Trump supporter on, or you had a Biden supporter on. I'm like, what are you looking at? It's They have a name, like, call them by their, but people don't see that. They just see kind of the title or what they pick out of the person or maybe their view on things, which is something that slips me all the time. I kind of just am interested in having the conversation with you and what we can talk about, but that's a... I would consider that a benefit. But then there's things out there like people consider ADHD superpowers. And a lot of them I don't consider superpowers. I think hyper focus is really, really good. I can get really like constantly work on something and make it like I can just make it good. Like painting, for instance, amazing. Bob Ross at one o'clock in the morning. Let me tell you, he could teach you some things. But then there's the kind of the hyperfixation that comes with it where there'll be like times I'm at work and I'm like, all I want to do and all I can think about is going home and finishing that painting. And now my work doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is that. So there's the negative side to it.
1: And so, if if you understand your ADHD, and if you manage it, like today we're we're taking this on a Friday. Friday is my project day. I don't, I don't take coaching clients on Friday. These are times where I can sit down and I can get hyper focused on something that's intentional, right? Well, other people can get hyper focused on something at the wrong time in a business environment. I specifically make Fridays my day to focus on certain things, so I don't get caught up during the week, right? One situation that focus fixation on the wrong thing is really negative. The fact that I understand it, I'm doing it, i manage it, it's more of a positive. So, so sometimes it's how you're looking at it. And I, I don't like some of the blanking statements some people say because then the people that don't know how to manage it don't understand kind of what's going on, which goes back into the the theme of this 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 conversation is there's 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 a lot of intricacies and it's complicated and there's a lot of misinformation and misguided stuff, and people are really confused about it. Which is another reason I appreciate you having me on to have this conversation.
0: Do you think, um, especially with a lot of this confusion that leads to kind of like, especially with people with ADHD, information overload, like burnout is a big. I, I probably have burnout right now. It's why I'm like a little bit kind of out there on some things, but it's just. Working too much. It's too much coming in. But I feel like, especially if you enter the real world and enter kind of with the problems, the stuff that comes with adulthood, that's just going to be even more difficult. And there's not really a way or set strategy to manage that. You come to anybody with questions or concerns about this type of stuff or real life issues. I'll say that's just life. You got to get over it. You know, it'll be different. And tomorrow will be different. You might be really at an all time low like a pillar of despair, whatever you want to say a pit, but then the next day it's, everything's fine. You're fantastic. You're like, what well, was the nap. Is that more beneficial? But then, I mean, people in that moment, they tend to be impulsive on things. And that's kind of where the bad stuff comes out that a lot of people aren't really aware of. They kind of look at it like, oh, you're just having a bad day. Get over it. And it was like, well, to them, that's experience times two. You know, it's not saying that your experience is any less. It's just saying what they are experiencing happens to be, this is it. This is everything for them.
1: Yeah. Our, our world is getting a lot more complicated every single day, and it's becoming more overwhelming because it requires a lot more thinking, and it's really more imperial and people with ADHD. Again, it's, it's actually catching up to neurotypicals too, but it's kind of funny because, our, again, our, it's overwhelming because I mean, chat GBT is not even a year old it's yet. It's scary. Right? And it's scary. It's all over the place now. Sometimes you say, "Hey, wow, there's a great thing for this," but there's also the negative side. And how do you deal with it? How do you? I, I, it's I, I, again, I, I, I world. Sometimes I think it's taken on a life of its own, and and you know, it's difficult. So the, at the end of the day, all you can do is understand yourself and kind of control yourself within that environment. And it takes a lot of um, my, my my one of my things I tell people is quit if you got ADHD. You might try, like somebody has an idea, try it, but don't get caught up in the gimmicks because you'll chase the gimmicks forever and not really solve the problem. Sometimes you have to sit down and like really understand that the condition kind of, as I tell people, it's about problem solving, not just chip tricks and strategies, which is a whole nother conversation. But needless to say is don't, it's not an easy impairment. Don't think that there's this one thing out there that's eluded everybody. It's like, takes a lot of work.
0: Well, you we got to embrace kind of the out of the box thinking that a lot of people tend to come with. Like I, I have so many people tell me that's not how you do it. And I'm like, it'll get done. And I'm you'll probably be surprised about how fast it usually gets done. But then they go, I never would have thought it worked that way. I'm like, I don't know. I just see it a little bit differently. But if it works for me, you might as well work with it.
1: I was talking to somebody the other day. Actually, my son, He's he's in a job. And he's having to do some procedural manner. And like, you know, it's just tedious pain in the ass where you're doing something on the internet. And he said, you know what you do, just put a video camera over your shoulder, point it at your screen and talk to yourself about what you're doing, have it transcribed. There's your manual. Like, cause you're going through it. If you've got to sit there and project it and write it all out, it's more difficult cognitively. But if you sit there and say it while you're doing it, just record it, it's relatively easy. And it was kind of funny cause you talk about out of the box. Well. Is that out of the box or is it just sitting down and saying, what's this task? What's an easier way of doing it? Like little things like that can make a world of difference for people with ADHD.
0: You have people that i guess i would say if they needed help would you push them towards medication a little bit like i know people always mention adderall it seems like that's a very controversial take on certain medications i haven't taken it just because i'm 25 and i haven't you know when i went this far without it so i'm trying to figure out how i can make it a part of me if it is a part of me and try and use it to my benefit but i don't shame people who want to use medication i've thought about using it if it actually helps i'm just saying I'm trying to find something that's inclusive for everyone because I know yeah, some people out there are a, so. A, it.
1: I like this question.
0: You ever take aspirin? Uh try I try not to. But I've taken when it. you do it, why do you take it? To get rid of the headache. Hmm. Got high blood pressure. Should you take high blood pressure
1: high blood pressure medication? Yeah. Insulin? Yeah. You take medications for a simple reason. Is my quality of life long term better? yes or no it's no don't take it it's yes consider taking it that's the, only, that's the sole reason the problem that I have is that that there's no people just jump to conclusions like I don't know I don't know, I went substance and I'm like, well you know there's long-term implications I mean I get adults that are you know 35 years old call me up and you know it's, it's a shame because they spent a whole life stop that sit down would you quit fidgeting you, those are like little negatives. You you do that every single day to a kid over a long period of time. It's going to create a self esteem problem. That's there's a negative long term effect. I mean, I can help them understand what's going on, but they still have this emotional type thing. So there's long term negative effects to not taking emotion, not taking medications. There's potential long term effects if you do take them. I've interviewed people on that, and I'm not a physician, but there are negative impacts for some people. I'm not so sure it's as as big as it's made out to be. Because you, you, by the way, you, a couple of years ago, I was trying to do. I wanted to do an interview and say, are A D H D meds addictive or not?" You know how hard it is to get somebody to talk about that. You can't get a pharmaceutical company because there's a conflict of interest. You can't get a physician to do it. A coach can't do it because they don't have the authority. I'm like, who can actually speak to this? I finally found an Ivy League professor that got on and actually said it right. But it's it's hard to get sometimes to speak the truth. By the way, it is an abuse
0: drug like just like i have friends that sell it like crazy and some people even snort it so it's like uh, you know it's pretty rough so so it is
1: it it is an abused drug it can create a dependency well i depend on my glasses like it helps me read so yeah it can create a dependency if for certain levels of performance i mean I, i i think that's an obvious thing am i dependent on my high blood pressure my thyroid yes i am is it addictive take ADHD medications for a while go off. It's like coffee. Like you'll be hungry the next day. You'll sleep a lot for two days, but it's not like you got to go through 30 days of rehab, right? Now there's some people with ADHD that abuse it to an extreme it can kill them, but that's an abuse issue. So anyway, going back to some of these things are really difficult because you can't get the truth because you can't, there's always a conflict of interest. And so as I tell people, medication, if if, you, if it improves your quality of life long term, I would encourage you to take it. If it doesn't, don't. Some people can can function. I mean, there's some people that can self medicate with exercise. A lot of people do that.
0: I do. Six hours can, of cardio, but, man. I'm telling you, it works. Yeah.
1: John Rady, is he, I was interviewing him one time because of my athletic career. He says, you know, if we could put exercise in a pill, it'd be the ADC drug of the century. I mean, it solves a lot of issues. But the medication thing is, I. I'm not pro-med, but I'm anti-suffering. And all too often, people demonize it and don't realize at the end of the day, is is your better quality of life, better long-term? Yes or no? If it is, consider taking it. If it's not, probably wouldn't want to do it.
0: Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. Like I said, I don't demonize medication. I understand people want to use it or people don't. I've just seen from my friends' experiences and things of that sort that it seems like, I don't know, for me, it's just not my path, but maybe one day. But every person I've talked to about ADHD has been like, "Take the Adderall, it works. Take the Adderall, take this, take that." And I'm like, "Well, you're not really answering my question." It's kind of like I'm asking you about attention. You're just like, "Take the Adderall." I'm like, "I get that, but you know, I want to also try and find a different way that works." Well, you're trying to get an education for you to make your own individual decision, and that's
1: the way you should do it. I mean, the thing is, is, you should be educated because you have to make your decision. Don't don't let somebody else make it for you because your experience is your experience. I mean, you're to me, you're doing it the right way. I mean, if you choose
0: to it and you live with it, there's nothing wrong with that. Why do people think ADHD is not a real disorder? Is that like older generation? I had someone who's like a, a kind of a friend. He was on my show and he talked about it. I'm just sitting there kind of like, I don't believe this, but I'm willing to hear the perspective. That's the best, that's the best thing I can do. But, but they just say ADHD doesn't exist. So I'm like, there has to be something where it comes into just mistrust from too much medication use. No, or- no
1: it's, it's simple. It's intangible.
0: Okay. I can't say it. it
1: yeah. It's like, we don't again, we make observations with our senses aided by some type of a technology. When it comes to ADHD, there's, I mean, i, I earlier, I, I, I don't want to get into it a lot because it's not, you know, I have this thing called attention scope that I'm using to bring a tangibility to it. But at the end of the day, we're, we're inferring the inner workings of the brain based off of behavior. Behavior is a symptom of cognitive behavior, you know, just because wiping your nose, like, well, the reason is you got strep throat. I mean, that you, too many people are inferring The inner workings of the brain based off of moral judgment. They have no fact. It's just their emotional response to it. That's actually human nature. You know, it takes self awareness for people to actually admit that they're ignorant. You know, they they don't realize it because they're convinced that they're right when they have no idea what they're talking about. It's just human nature.
0: I mean, we talked about social media in the beginning, we talked about a bunch of finding information online, but sorting through that information as well too i mean obviously i'm going to reach out to someone if i see something and ask questions about it but a lot of that information there i mean i have friends that do some a little bit of reading i've had a manager that is very good at looking up adhd and finding ways to work with me and certain things she gets right and certain things i don't really have that i guess she must have read so it doesn't really work but it's small steps like that i think raising awareness and what you're doing coming on my podcast and talking about it as well too is raising awareness but it doesn't take much. And I would just think people, I mean, if you really work with, like someone tells me they have something, I'm going to research into it just so I can better equip myself to help out that person to make it easier on them. That's not a big thing. That's not a big ass. It doesn't deserve a pat on the back, but that's what should, a lot of people should be doing as well too. And I think some of the internet and some of social media kind of should be directing people towards that, not trying to just be like, Hey, there's this, diagnose yourself. I'm like, hang on a second. Let's just look at the info and see if we can find something that works with someone we
1: yeah agreed. it's it's getting good information is not an easy thing to do, but it 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 there's a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of people are again treating the symptoms, but uh, again I'm, I'm grateful to come on so I could kind of share a little bit think of this as more of an executive function impairment, not so much of a focusing issue, and that thinking actually is difficult for people inside their head. So whenever you have a problem, if you just sit there and say, how can I make thinking easier um, like videotape what I'm doing and talk to myself so that I don't have to do it, like things like that, that mindset can really be
0: helpful. You're telling me I forgot kangaroo. So, you know, but uh, Mr. Copper, I appreciate the time you gave me to talk on my show. Is there a place where people can find your links?
1: Digcoaching.com. You go there, you can access my podcast, my YouTube channel. I speak regularly. There's a whole archives, that type stuff. There's all kinds of stuff there. Just digcoaching.com. You can find what you need.
0: And I will link those links in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of, Out of the Blank Podcast.